are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Locked On Eagles podcast, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into episode four this week of five. Download it into your phone when you subscribe to Locked On Eagles on any podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio.com, you name it, me and Gino are available on all platforms. I am joined by my co-host Gino Camilleri today. And Gino, today is February 4th, 2021. So everybody that's listening to this podcast knows what happened February 4th, three years ago. It was the best day of most of our lives, I would say, at least in the, in the realm of sports. For me, though, I would, I would actually say that's the best day of my life so far through 23 years of living. It's the three-year anniversary of the Eagles Super Bowl 52 win. I'm rocking my Eagles Media Day Super Bowl jacket right now to celebrate this day. And, Gino, I thought we'd have some fun today and just reminisce about that incredible, that magical 2017 season, especially since we've been talking to death about this quarterback situation. It's just it's depressing stuff, man, from where we've gone from 2017, 2018, and 2019 to now having to debate about quarterback and who's going to be the guy next year and firing Doug Peterson. You know, that report today from Ian Rappaport came out about the Eagles fielding calls about Wentz. I thought today we'd have some fun and uh, we'd talk about the championship win we had not that long ago. So I, I think we need a change and some positive on this show today. <laughs> Absolutely. As we were saying before the show, 24 is my lucky number. It's literally means more to me than anything. I, it stinks that no good Eagles have worn 24 in quite some time. Corey Graham, man, your your boy. That was your first. <laughs> uh, that was your first scoop. Actually, was, uh, was breaking the Corey Graham signing. His brother lived above me. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> right. But no, today I also got a fantastic call that I will let all of our listeners know what it is yes, once sir. I signed the contract. Mm-hmm. 24 is a big day, and man. I just posted the picture on Twitter of me from three years ago standing in the middle of Broad Street and just loving life right there in Center City. I'm not – no, not Broad Street. I'm sorry. The stadium's on Broad, but I was in the middle of Center City soaking it all in, and I just realized that I lost my hat after that game, and I never saw that Super Bowl hat ever again. But I do have the (laughs) Fletcher Cox jersey still and the Zubaz. But, man, that that was actually where you and I met. Yeah, we met even knew each other. Yeah, we were both in Center City celebrating after the Super Bowl win, but we met before the game actually. So Mm -hmm. we both went to the Fillmore for the Sports Radio ninety four WIP watch party, and we were in line actually. And um, it's funny because they asked like where everybody's from. Everybody was saying you know Philadelphia, South Philly, New Jersey, whatever. And then you screamed out Amherst. I'm like, wait, what? I work in Amherst. (laughs) And then we started talking. And what's funny though, we didn't start doing Lockdown Eagles together that day. Benjamin Solak and Michael Kiss were still running the show. You followed me on Twitter, I think, in June, like months later. And then we're like, wait, you look really familiar. So we did end up meeting during the Super Bowl. That was the birth of the new era of Lockdown Eagles, which is just, it's incredible. It is. It's funny how the universe brings you together on two, four out of all days, like I said. And it was one of those games I'll never forget. I have a video of me at the end that my fiance took and somebody i i never got this kid's information but he was the first person to hug me after we won the game and it was like the most genuine appreciation for two human Dude. beings that never yeah. talked to each other in any moment in time i can relate to that and so hard i man, wish i knew more. who this kid was and yeah. if he remembers who i was i i would love to interact with him again but it was one of those moments lou that everything 
mm-hmm. was going right. And the first part of that game, Chris Collinsworth, I was just listening to the radio, or not the radio, the broadcast version of it, which we luckily got Merrill to get the call in the Fillmore. That was way better than what Collinsworth did. But how this whole quarterback controversy started, and Collinsworth said it. He said if Carson Wentz didn't get hurt, he was assured to win the MVPs, anybody in the league. And here we are now, three years removed from that, still having those same discussions, but it kind of seems that that was the start of the downfall of that generation of the Eagles. But the build up to that moment, Lou, was something that I don't know if you'll ever see. Oh, yeah. A team do in football or any sport for that matter. And when the clock hit zero in that Hail Mary, which was, we were sweating that out for a minute. Patrick Robinson threw that ball kind of back in the air and gave Danny Amendola a shot at diving for it. But I remember when the confetti fell and we were at the Fillmore, I have never, yes, so many just genuine people like in the best moment of their lives, just celebrating together and everybody's strangers, but it didn't feel like it at all. I mean, there was a grown man that just came up to me, grabbed me and kissed me on the cheek. And I'm like, I don't care. I mean, this is just, I was the happiest I've ever been. And I remember going down to center city after they won and just joining the entire city in one block. Mm-hmm. People are climbing trucks. They're climbing, uh, climbing the light poles and everybody's the gates of city hall. And it was just the best. And it's crazy now in COVID looking at the back of the pictures and seeing how you just couldn't move back then how fast and how, you know, much things have changed. But that, that kind of happiness, you felt it on Eagles Twitter today. You know, it's mm-hmm. Eagles Twitter has been kind of toxic the past couple months or really all of 2020. I mean, and it's fair considering the season, but today it's been awesome to see just so many people reminisce on that. Just what a special season. And it wasn't just the game. I mean, obviously putting up 41 points and outdueling the greatest quarterback of all time in a shootout who had over 500 passing yards in that game. Like, you can't script a better first Super Bowl win, especially when you did it with backups like Nick Foles and Corey Clement having 100 receiving yards and Nelly, Nelson Aguilar, who was a uh, preconceived or a, a earlier first-round bust label, catching nine balls in that game. I mean, just the way you did it was incredible. But all season... That team was just so mm-hmm. fun to watch. I mean, they were rolling through opponents, and I miss it, man. It's it's incredible. It's been three years, and Doug Peterson's already gone, Nick Foles, maybe Carson Wentz. That whole team is almost gone outside of a few offensive linemen and defensive linemen. And the one thing I missed the most, Lou, watching that game was how, just how open everybody was. Everybody was just schemed oh, open. That was the most efficient offensive performance I've maybe ever seen. I mean, PFF gave Nick Foles the highest Super Bowl grade in that game since 2005. I mean, he, again, he outdueled the GOAT who had 500 yards. It's just unheard of. Your backup quarterback doing that. I think it's the ultimate culmination of having everybody in the right position at the right time. And we talk about trying to get the best out of your quarterback and how he built that offense for everybody, though, Lou. I mean, Corey Clement almost won the MVP of that game. Alshon Jeffrey on a torn rotator cuff plays out of his mind. And has made one the of right the prettiest position. touchdown catches I've ever seen on Eric Rowe. Ever. I mean, one of the great oh my plays. Gosh. Everybody on that offense was doing fantastic. I mean, even Halapulivati Vitae had a pivotal, pivotal role in that game. But the thing was, it was it was just creative, that offense, man. We, yep. we were so far removed now from the days of calling a Philly special or even going for it in that area. Every call was right. Every decision was right. Not just that game, but everything. Going back to the 61-yard field goal week three against the Giants. We didn't even kick that, that this far against the Bengals this year. I mean, mm-hmm. those decisions are just completely different, and you have to have everything go right for you. From the time that ball went off Torrey Smith's knee in that Atlanta game, 
I knew it was going to be hard-pressed for a team to beat us in that playoffs. Yeah, man, it was just the creativity all year, but also the aggressiveness, and that came to the forefront in that game with the Philly special. I mean, how many teams that play the Patriots? You can go back two weeks before that Super Bowl between the Jaguars and the Patriots. Jacksonville's up by two scores in the second half, and they got scared. They played conservative. They sat back. They put their foot off the gas pedal, and the Patriots and Tom Brady come back. So many teams do that, and they're they're scared of New England. And so when they get a lead, they just try to hold on to it for dear life. Philly just, as they had done all year, Doug Peterson came into 2017 with an aggressive mindset. We're going to go for it on fourth down. We're going to be innovative. We're going to be creative. We're going to start trends. We're going to play chess while everybody plays checkers. And that really was shown in that game with, of course, the Philly special. I mean, going for it on fourth and goal against the greatest coach ever in his defense Mm -hmm. is just bananas. I mean, most coaches would never do that, but it was all game. It was even going for it on fourth and one which I've never been more nervous in my life for that play, Gino, when they're on their own, what, 41, fourth and mm-hmm. one, Foles has pressure in his face, and he gets just enough uh, to Zach Ertz to get that first down. And then it Zach was just Ertz all game. never was able yeah. to do that play again, and he was short every single time they ran they just, that exact route oh, dude, against they came multiple at, teams. They came at New England so hard, and when they got punched back, when the Patriots took that 33-32 to 32 lead, mm-hmm. that's when most teams crumble, and Philly's like, yep. no, we're going to keep throwing the ball, and they won the game. It mm-hmm. just... I remember I was cheering really hard for Jacksonville in that AFC title because obviously you have a better chance of beating Bortles than Brady, but I'm glad it went the way it did because beating Mm -hmm. that dynasty to win your first ring feels, I think, way better especially in the way you did it in a shootout, you cannot script it better. Today's episode of Locked On Eagles is brought to you by rockauto.com. One reason to repair and to maintain your car is to save money that you can then use for other important things like the mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're always reliably low. It's a family business that's been serving auto part customers online for 20 years now. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your baby, your car, your truck. Make sure you write down Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Ladies and gentlemen, today's show is also sponsored by betonline.ag. There's only one place that has you covered and the one place that we trust for all your bets, your team bets, individuals, parlays, futures, betonline.ag. If you sign up today for a free account, and use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, you're going to get a 50% off welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to receive a 50% off welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, it was a big V for a vendetta-type game. We had a vendetta against that Patriots team, and they still had Brady and Belichick there, and I know... A lot of us wanted to win that game against that team, and you're right, Lou, but I think the overall arching message from that is that you look at what Jacksonville did in that game and what Buffalo and Green Bay did in these two championship games, and it only goes to show how on Doug Peterson and everybody else were because you look at the drives, Lou, in this game. It goes field goal for Eagles, field goal for the Patriots, touchdown for Philly, a missed field goal for the Patriots, a punt, 
a turnover on downs for New England, a touchdown, field goal, interception, touchdown, touchdown, end of half, touchdown, 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 field goal, touchdown, touchdown, fumble, field goal, end of game. <laughs> to say that you had any point in that game could have just sat on your hands and oh not gosh. played 60 full minutes, that was what football should be. It, it was a roller be, coaster, man. It was it, the most. Yes, that, even is, for that was the greatest Eagles, Super Bowl I've ever seen. Yeah, I'm, even I'm for non Eagles and Patriots fans, that was maybe the most entertaining game I've. Like, if you just remove the Eagles from it, that game, just from a pure football and entertainment perspective, you were holding on to the seat of your pants. Every single second, you had no idea what was going to happen. Even like you were talking about the in the first half, Steven Gostowski was one of the best field goal kickers, if not the best in the game. And Rodney McLeod, that body slam, he holds the Patriots on hmm. third and two to a field goal. They miss it. They miss another extra point. There were so many little things in that game too. You got to appreciate. I mean, it was it was a roller coaster. It was the ultimate culmination of, of football and what it should be. I mean, we, we love this offensive game as it is, but at the same time, the biggest play in the game came from the defense. Defense ultimately won that championship. Yep, they could only hit Brady one time, but it was the crucial one. I know. All game, I'm just sitting there, and you're like, when is this pass rush going to get home? When is this pass rush going to get home? They did a fantastic job scheming up against Fletcher Cox, man. They, I, I went back and was just yeah. watching the tape again. He didn't have any chance to get to to Tom Brady the way they schemed against him. And you knew that coming into the game. But big-time players make big-time plays. Every player in that game made a a game-changing play to an extent. Malcolm Jenkins knocking Brandon Cooks out of the game. That's underrated, man, because Cooks was dismantling Ronald Darby. Uh, Jalen Mills on the goal line against Rob Gronkowski early in the first quarter. A ball that's underthrown, but makes a great pass breakup, and they end up missing that field goal. Dude, right he hit on Mills, that. but I'll tell you, he had the game of his life in that game against Gronk in the first half. Like I, I go after thirty-one all the time. Well, now twenty-one, but that game he stepped up. He definitely did, and I, I think everybody really had a. I mean, Danell Allerby was on that team too. I forgot oh about gosh, that. like forgot all those guys. You, you think about <laughs> Bo Allen was on that team. Yep. For for the defense, it was. Arguably, Jim Schwartz is doing what he did every single yeah. game, and he did, he didn't really adjust. And the thing that killed them, Lou, the big adjustment was moving Gronk off of Jalen Mills because once that yeah. happened, the game really opened up. In yeah, that he second attacked half. Darby and Corey Graham all second half, and Schwartz would not move Mills over, which was it almost caught. I mean, that Gronk touchdown got them the lead in, at the end of the third quarter. That almost cost you your championship. You had some big plays on the on the back end from a lot of those guys, and Jalen Mills right in the first half was one of those guys that made big plays. And I think Rodney McLeod's play in general in that game is really undervalued. I think without him, you definitely lose that game. And and we talked about who would be the decision to keep Malcolm or Rodney, and I think you saw elements of leadership out of Rodney in that game that going back really spoke volumes about the player that he was. Yeah, there were so many players. I mean, you obviously think of Nick Foles, right, who had, I mean, 373 yards, four total touchdowns. He had the game of his life. He outdueled the GOAT, right? That mm-hmm. is the big story. Doug Peterson outcoaching Bill Belichick, putting up 41 points on maybe the best defensive mind ever. I mean, that's the big story. Um, but, you know, and of course, your franchise defensive end, Brandon Graham, getting the strip sack. These are all the main 
featured stories. But like mm-hmm. you said, man, there's just so many other players that had stepped up in the game and everybody was making plays for you. And you mm-hmm. needed all those plays. You needed Mills in those nine tackles and those two pass deflections on Rob Gronkowski. You needed Jenkins to take out Cooks. But also on offense, you know, we talk about Clement, right? His 100 yards, but Nelson Aguilar's nine catches for 84. And even Torrey Smith at five for 50. And then on the ground, you know, we like to talk about passing the football, but the offensive line put on a clinic. That might have been mm-hmm. Jason Kelsey's best game, and there is a lot of good ones, but that interior, especially the right side of Kelsey, Brooks, and Blaine Johnson, paved the way for Blunt, Ajayi, and Clement to have a day. Those three running backs almost surpassed 300 yards from scrimmage that day. So there's just there's so much about the game that is just awesome to talk about, and every player stepped up. Everybody. I think Isaac Sayamalu might be one of the few guys who we haven't mentioned, too, in his performance as well. Or I wasn't mean, it Wiz? Oh, it was Stefan Wiz. Yeah, it was, it was right. Wiz. Yes. I, I knew they, they were doing that guard rotation, then yeah, Isaac yeah, got yeah. hurt. That's right. My apologies on no, that. But good. yeah, Stefan Wisniewski and that was one of those things, Lou, that we talked about. Everything went right. Every decision how we made that offseason was correct. Torrey Smith, yep. um, bringing in Elshon Jeffrey. Chris Long. Chris Long. You trade for Jay Ajayi. You sign LeGarrette Blunt. Those were game, I mean, season-altering moves, and they hit. And the the idea of adapting or dying, how he really didn't adapt after that. He kind of tried to use that same formula that, Lightning in a bottle is what the NFL is to an extent. Sure. You, you have uh, just a bunch of guys coming together in one season, and it's so hard to get back. We saw the, the early 2000s Eagles. I mean, they got there three times and went to the bowl once, but they never won it. They had things going wrong for them time after time after time. This Eagles team had everything going right, bringing back Nick Foles in the offseason to be the backup. I mean, the decisions that were made by every person – I could say besides Jim Schwartz, we're probably the right sure. ones this season. Yeah. I've never seen Gino a more flawless just overall season, right? From yeah. top to bottom. Like you said, everything Howie Roseman did through free agency that year. And even the draft, I mean, Derek Barnett recovers the, the fumble to end the game pretty much uh, to win Super Bowl 52. And mm. Doug Peterson... To me, being the coach of the year that season, cannot believe he didn't win it. Um, and then, like, of course, Carson Wentz being the MVP before he gets hurt. And like you said, signing Nick Foles, everything you did. And then in the game, your in-game decisions, they all worked. The Philly special worked. Gino, you know, they almost, Nick Foles was talking about it on a podcast, I think a week or two ago, where they almost called up a speed, um, what was it? Speed a, a option. Sp- speed option <laughs> with Nick Foles with Nick on the Foles. right side. They're not scoring <laughs> if that's the case. I mean, to they the, were that close, dude. boundary they're, side, yeah. too, Luke. They're on the road. <laughs> Hash. Every decision they made was the right one. They were there could have been one wrong move a couple times could have cost you the game. Dialing up a speed option there or not, you know, punting the ball on that fourth and one decision. That could like if Doug Peterson did what he did this year against Cincinnati, you don't have a Super Bowl that we're talking about right now. Every little thing worked out and that was really the theme all season because it wasn't just the Super Bowl, it wasn't just like you said, the ball going off Keanu Neal against uh, Atlanta in the playoffs, but the regular season, too, it was just that nine-game winning streak where they're just dismantling teams. I mean, they put up 28-plus or 30-plus in, like, eight of those nine games. Ugh, I've never had so much fun watching the Eagles, man. I, I missed that. I mean, that that stretch, it was right after Arizona, right? They beat them 34-7, to yep. and then they really showed against Carolina was when I thought, okay, that this team's was a powerhouse, game. right? That was, that was the, the game. game. Yep. Yeah, that against the, the Panthers. I was watching it on a flight yep. going to Austin City Limits on a Thursday night. They had the the all whites 
Carson had the white yeah. armband and this kid oh, from man, Chicago gets on my plane and he's sitting next to me and Jen. We have the Eagles game on the computer right about to start. He goes, you an Eagles fan? I go, yes, sir. He goes, all right, I'm betting the Eagles to win this game. And as soon as he did that, I'm like, okay, this team, people are in on them. Like they know that they are a problem in this league. Mm-hmm. Won that game to go five and one against a very good Carolina yep. team at the time. Then just went on a roll. I was at that Chicago game. They were playing chess while everybody was playing checkers, Lou. I it was, was at the, um, it was unreal. I was at the Monday night game right after Carolina against Washington. And outside of maybe Michael Vick's Monday night performance in 2010, I've never seen an Eagles quarterback or just an individual player that has dominated a team as much as Carson Wentz did that day to get to six and one. That was really, again, the Carolina game was when the whole NFL was like, okay, Philadelphia is for real, right? Because they had, mm-hmm. they had barely beat New York. They had just got out of that win against LA 26 to 24, and they had really crushed Arizona, but the Cardinals were an up and down team at that point. The Carolina game is when you realize, okay, Philly's a legit contender, but then the Washington game is where Wentz put himself on the map as an MVP favorite, I think. I've never seen somebody in in person. I mean, the throw to Corey Clement in the right corner of the end zone, I still to this day don't know how he did it. But yeah, I mean, then you went on a run where you beat Washington with 34 points. You score 33 against San Fran, 51 and against an elite Denver defense, 37 against Dallas on Sunday night. Gino, the game you were at against Chicago, 31 to three. Then you put up 43 against LA to get home field advantage. This team was a powerhouse. And then when they became an underdog in the playoffs, that worked too. Everything worked. Everything worked. This episode of Locked On Eagles is brought to you by Echelon. When it comes to getting or staying in shape, nothing feels as good as that feeling of accomplishment, of hitting your fitness goals and feeling great about yourself. Echelon can get you there. Echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and their Echelon Stride Smart Treadmill. No matter what your favorite fitness activity, Echelon gives you a fun and challenging workout from the comfort of your home. Their world-class instructors will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes always available when you need them. Unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable for everybody, and one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. Right now, you can try any Echelon fitness equipment at home for 30 days. Go to echelonfit.com slash lockdown. That's echelonfit.com slash lockdown. There was never a cog in the machine, and I forgot that they played the Chargers that year, and I was thinking about it. Every game in that season, you can pinpoint a moment you know every game there was a moment from the Mm -hmm. first game of the season to the end and every I felt a lot of the players that made those plays in the Super Bowl each had their moment during that season I mean the first game when Nelson Aguilar had that unbelievable Houdini escape from Wentz Mm -hmm. to deliver that pass down the sideline in, in the Washington game, that was unbelievable. You had Jake Elliott hitting that kick. You had the LeGarrette Blunt run against the oh, Chargers. The, beast mode the, run, man. the yeah. Jay Ajayi run against Dallas. You had Carson Wentz doing his thing all season long. Corey Clement was in his own. Alshon putting Akib Talib on skates was one of the greatest routes I've ever seen run out of Alshon Jeffrey. Just did a little hezzy route, faked the comeback, and just went 20 yards downfield, and he puts it over Akib Talib's shoulder, and they all had moments that were impactful throughout the season that ultimately came together in that last game. And this season, Lou, if you look at 2020, where were those moments? They yeah, didn't have they, them. They weren't like, there. And you can pinpoint in those games exactly when it happened, a few of those moments that I mentioned. I mean, the adversity really hit once Carson went down, and you said it was a perfect season. That Raiders game, man. No, it's a good that point, man. 
blew yeah. that whole thing wide open. There were some hiccups, and this is where Philadelphia and under Doug Peterson really built in that ability to just overcome anything. And right, they had lost Jason Peters. I was at the game against Washington. Chills, man, to this day, hearing the whole crowd cheer on JP after he tore his Achilles, and he's coaching <laughs> up Big V as he's getting carted away. So you lost him. You lost Darren Sproles week three against New York. So you had lost pieces. Jordan Hicks went down two mm-hmm. against Washington. That was the same game they lost Jordan Hicks. But yeah, when you lost Wentz to that in that game to LA, that really is when the whole us against the world mentality, the underdogs, right, mm-hmm. fighting their way out of a corner, that's when it all started because that was a, a bad offense for you know, they put up thirty four against New York, but then yeah, you look at the Oakland and Dallas game. Remember, people were talking about maybe Nate Sudfeld starting against Atlanta. That's how close we were to not getting this championship. And yet, Doug Peterson, a lot of coaches, man, would not have the open mind to just throw out their playbook and take something from an old coach that you replaced in Chip Kelly and said, what did Nick Foles do well with Chip Kelly in 2013? We're going to take that, and that's what we're going to do. And that was the difference, because if you don't do that at the end of the season, Nick Foles does not catch lightning in the bottle against Minnesota and New England, and you don't win. You do not win a title against New England. You don't beat Minnesota either with the Nick Foles we saw against New York, Oakland, and Dallas. You don't. Maybe even Atlanta, you don't win that game. Right. Everybody thought that Nick Foles was so great. They showed his season statistics during the regular season versus the postseason. He was completing like 46% of his passes in the regular season. Well, it was only really two games, you know. It was, and this is why I, even during the Super Bowl, before the game, I was nervous because, yeah, Foles had dismantled the number one defense in Minnesota in the NFC title, 100%. He was unconscious that game, but it was only really that game, even against Atlanta, Mm -hmm. Gino, the defense won you that football game. Yes. And you, a little luck, too, with that pass going off Neal's knee. So I was nervous. I didn't know if Foles was going to be able to replicate what he did against Minnesota, against New England. And because the sample size was extremely small, but he did it, man. The lightning was caught in a bottle for three weeks, and we rode that to a title. But they, we, that almost didn't happen. You're lucky that you, you know, I don't want to say you're lucky because Doug Peterson really and Frank Reich and that offensive coaching staff deserve all the credit in the world, but... Good thing, Nick Foles, you found the 2013 Foles when it mattered most because, again, you're not winning with the offense that put up 19 against Oakland. That's the thing we were never able to really get from since then, I would think, is putting the players in the best position to win football games consistently. And it was every week they were just out-game planning everybody. I mean, you even out-game planned Bill Belichick. Right. That, that, that was what you need to win in this league. And why do you think... Andy Reid has been so successful the last couple of years. You see how much information you have to put in. You see how the players make a difference and having athletes all over the field. I mean, watching Jay Ajayi run in that game, Lou, was crazy compared compared to the last time we saw him run. Jay Train's underrated, man. Like, oh, Jay Train, yeah, his, his impact, people forget, but when Wentz went down against L.A., Ajayi had to pick up the offensive production mm-hmm. for a couple weeks there. Like He was your source of offense like he was the guy for a while and he was he was so efficient all season yeah everybody was at the top of their game you got the best season out of nelson Aguilar too mm-hmm. tory smith with the the i saw you posted it that david tyree catch he People dropped forget. the pass right before that too yep. the very previous play he dropped the ball to convert the first down comes back with his competitive toughness and makes an unbelievable play over the middle tory smith who was ranked last out of all receivers in the NFL that season, made one of the biggest plays for you. To say yep. that that means everything was going correctly is probably the easiest way to show it. That the worst receiver statistically <laughs> yeah. 
according to analytics sites, made one of the biggest plays in the Super Bowl. He made a huge play catch. in all three Unreal. playoff games. He's the one that caught the ball that went off Neal's knee against Atlanta. He caught yep. a flea, flea flicker, flicker bomb against, yep. against Minnesota, and he made some crucial catches in the Super Bowl, too. You're right, man. It just felt like that year was your year. Even though you can explain a lot of it, you can explain it from the sense of Wentz being an MVP and Doug Peterson mm-hmm. being the best offensive mind that year and the most open-minded and the most aggressive and you know the defensive line being elite as it was. And like you said, Nelson Aguilar having the best year of his career and maybe Jay Ajayi having the most efficient year down the stretch in that playoff run. There's so many things you can pinpoint, but it, it felt at the same time kind of magical where it didn't matter mm-hmm. what happened you were just destined to win it all that year and it didn't start that way i don't no. know how you felt before the season um because we weren't doing the podcast together at that time but i remember i was working for inside the higgles on fan-sided and i did a uh, schedule a game-by-game predictions pod or uh, article and i had that team going nine and seven i love the improvements bringing in alshon jeffrey and chris long and those guys but i still thought this was a perennial i thought they were a wild card team that's going to compete in the east i didn't think they were going to be a super bowl team i didn't either but once i saw it starting to come into play that was probably the last season i think i made a a decision on a game by game who i thought they would beat and since then i i haven't made a prediction well we should know that eagles fans man the dream team never it didn't go the way we thought the redeem team didn't go the way we thought the 2015 eagles or 2017 it just shows you off-season predictions sometimes they don't really matter i mean they're fun but yeah it's hard to really base anything off of them that's why i'm i I have this freshness over me right now lou because you could predict all you want, but you don't know what Nick Sirianni's going to come and do. What if he comes and just replicates what Doug Peterson did and has everything go right for this team this year? Mm-hmm. Y- you it never know. Just him. Chip Kelly even won 20 games yep. in his first two seasons. He went to a playoff game. He almost yep. beat Drew Brees that year, too. Yeah, 100%, man. It's uh, I just I, I love thinking about all the stuff from that season. and But after the game especially, I remember just seeing everybody at the Fillmore. And I think my favorite moment from it, there's there's a lot. I think like when they came out to the tunnel to Dreams and Nightmares, I didn't Game's think they were right there. any chance that that team was losing, especially with the Patriots coming out to Crazy Train. Like, just get mm-hmm. out of here with, with that. That's like but, a Dave Chappelle, like, yeah. when keeping it real goes wrong. Like, you, yeah, you yeah. try to play Crazy Train, you lost the game right there. Right, yeah, exactly. But I think the moment that really was super special to me was every year watching the Super Bowl before that season, they would play the Lombardi music, right? And one of the Hall of Famers mm-hmm. would walk down the middle of the field with the trophy, bringing it up to the stage and players on each side would touch the trophy, right? And it was just like mm-hmm. the music, it got you in your feels. And every year going to bed after the Super Bowl, I think I can't I wait know what you're going to say moment. and I'm getting the chills. Yeah. Already. In, in that moment when they walk down and, and give you the Lombardi. I'm like, I cannot wait for the Eagles to be that team. And when they did that for for Philly and the music played, that just that I didn't cry that night. But if I was going to, if I was getting teary eyed, that was the moment because that was when the they gave it to year. Brian Dawkins. I yeah. pulled like a little child. Um, <laughs> that was that was, <laughs> I was the close. moment that got me. Brian Dawkins is what many of us Eagles fans. He was the face so of the fan base, you know, for yes. for a decade plus. And he knew the pain that we went through in the early 2000s. And to see him leave and that headache of the, those those 2008 to 2015 years, that was just not fun at all. Mm-hmm. And then he went through his mental health issues. I went through my mental health issues. We all have mental health issues. So to see him persevere and be on the other end of that, and even though he wasn't in the game, 
you knew how much the city of brotherly love truly was the city of brotherly love in that moment. I was hugging cops. I was hugging people in the middle of the road that I will never see again. It was the greatest moment for everybody involved in the midnight green. And I think Dawkins was the personification of that. And when I saw him cry, man, just like I did at his hall of fame induction speech, I teared up like a little kid that I could not. Yeah. I remember too, uh, I was at the Fillmore after the game. I was just sitting there and they had confetti going down in the Fillmore, which was really cool. They did an awesome job of production. You, you really felt like you were almost at the game. And I remember I was sitting in the confetti and Trey Thomas walked up to me cause he was doing the WIP live show there. And he, uh, he took his hand out and he picked, he like picked me up and he like gave me a lift up. He's like, we did it, man. And he walked away. I'm like, that's so cool. Like a dude that was a left tackle for the Eagles during all those runs where you came up just short, like to get to actually like be with him for a second and talk to him for a minute in the confetti. That was kind of special too. It didn't matter what side of the Wentz versus Foles debate. If you hated Howie Roseman, if you loved Howie Roseman, if you're an only Eagles fan for 2017 just to ride the bandwagon or a fan for 20 to 30, 40, 50 years, in that moment, it it didn't matter, man. That was the happiest, the Mm -hmm. true happiness peak for, I think, everybody in Philly. And it it was a beautiful feeling, and I hope we can get back to that one day because I will be in Philly once again if they get there. Win or lose, I'm always going to ride with this team, and I know what the top feels like. I want to get there again. Yeah, we got to get there, and you know, there's just again, a lot has to go right. Right, there is a lot of luck involved, but I think the two things that went the most right for you that season was head coach, and it was quarterback. Even not just Carson Wentz. When Wentz went down, you went from an MVP caliber quarterback to a backup that won a Super Bowl MVP, and so that's where the Eagles got to get back to. And it's why again we we're talking to death this whole situation about Wentz versus Hurts versus a sixth round or a sixth overall draft pick because that's crucial. And with Nick Sirianni as well, it's nuts though that you look at that roster, man, and you look at the the guys leading the box score: Nick Foles, Legarrette Blunt. Jay Ajayi, Corey Clement, Nelson Aguilar, Alshon Jeffrey, even Zach Ertz now, who had the, we didn't even talk about, made the maybe the two biggest plays with the fourth and one conversion and then the game-winning touchdown. I mean, he's probably going to be gone this year. It's kind of sad that three years in that that core is pretty much gone. But at the same time, I don't think that's like disappointing. I don't think that's like a knock on failure. It doesn't represent anything. You got to remember that that team wasn't all that young. You built through free agency, mm-hmm. and a lot of those core pieces already had been with Andy Reid, Gino. They had been with Chip. Mm-hmm. Kelly and so I don't look back at it with like oh man how did we lose that team I think they got their run 2017 to 2019 really was the run and then I think the the, the bigger issue right now is the failure to find a new core rather than maintain mm-hmm. that one I thought their I thought their window was open for as long as it should have been I don't I don't think it like closed abruptly I don't think so either I think just like we said a lot of those decisions that went right for you the first go around didn't go right. The second or the third yeah. go around in 2018 and 2019. Yeah. No, you can't replicate it, and it's it's an adapt or die league. And they did not adapt following that season, but they really innovated. Then they were proactive. They were ahead of the curve in 2017, and they had their new core ready to go. But that new core really didn't turn into the new core with Derek Barnett and a lot of those other guys that we saw. But one name we didn't mention, Lou, who I think deserved it more than anybody in the end of that Eagles era, the end of that Andy Reid era, Brent Selleck winning that game and sure. walking off into the sunset. Yep. Amazing. I mean, hats off to him for that. That was that was another cool moment. And I mean, we haven't even mentioned the guys in the Philly special, Lou. Trey Burton, 
Like, come on, man. An undrafted tight end, right? Undrafted? Undrafted free agent tight end. That was a changed quarterback, a undrafted running back, a rookie, and a backup quarterback resulted in the boldest and maybe the most creative play in Super Bowl history to pretty much the top 10 play for sure. For sure. You'll see that until you die. I mean, you're going to see that for the next 70 years of your life. Imagine Nick Foles walking over to to Doug Peterson and him saying, "You want Philly, Philly?" and Doug looking at him like, "Yeah, no, the, let's the pick pause. A field goal. Let's I, I, I'm getting goal. chills. Just like, <laughs> oh yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> it's like it's like Matt Lafleur. No, we're yep. going for three. It could have happened, and or they could have dialed up the speed right. option. I remember Doug right. looking at. It, it's cool that Foles is the one that recommended it because it just shows how in sync those two were. But the moment that I love in that mic'd up part from NFL films like Doug, he pauses almost like looking at Nick and he doesn't say anything, but you can just see the communication between the two. Like, Holy shit. Are we about to just dial up a trick play on fourth and one against Bill Belichick? (laughs) It's the scene from the town when he's like, yeah, we got to go. We got to go do something. I can't tell you what it is, where it is. And then the one buddy looks at him. He goes, whose car are we taking? Like, yeah, they were that sure of each other and they trusted each other that much. And I just want that for the team again, man. When you can look to the guy to the right and left of you to make plays and you knew that guys were going to make plays. Yeah, it's part of it we haven't discussed is the trust and just how the team was just so in sync with each other and how they wanted to play for one another. And Doug, you got to give Doug Peterson credit. You know, it hasn't been able – it wasn't the case last year, but the culture – just the whole team was able to establish that year. You were that's why you were able to lose Jason Peters and be okay, and lose Carson Wentz and be okay, and and lose Jordan Hicks and Darren Sproles because of that leadership and the culture for sure. I mean, I'm I'm more of a talent and a talent over scheme and culture kind of guy, but you can't really um, remove its importance for sure. It's one of those things that they they go hand in hand. It's like a yep. cheeseburger and French fries. You have to have skill and you have to have culture. That was a great example of both. I mean, you had how many Pro Bowl players, how many All-Pro players on that team, guys that have just continued to make plays. They've re-upped guys to contracts because of that season. That season was so pivotal in the next few years of this franchise. I think they gained a lot of ability to overcome adversity from that, and we've mentioned that time and time again. And the new norm wasn't winning Super Bowls. It wasn't going to the playoffs and just being a powerhouse time and time again, I think the one thing you can take away from that season, Lou, is how this team has always battled through adversity, regardless of what season it is. Sure, and that kind of became the norm, right? In 2018 and 2019. Yeah, Yeah, that was the norm, was culture. It's a good point. 2018, you overcame a ton, and in 2019, it wasn't. It didn't result in the same success as 2017. But yeah, I think you can say that that was the the new norm, and it's kind of fun, honestly, because obviously we enjoyed watching Wentz just put the league on fire for the majority of that season. But I kind of liked having the hiccup in the road. Obviously, this isn't. This was a very unique underdog, right? They were predicted to lose each playoff game they were in against Atlanta, Minnesota, and New England. So they were justified in feeling like underdogs because they actually were. And it makes sense the league felt that way about them considering how Nick Foles was playing heading into the playoffs. But at the same time, like this was a very unique underdog. Like This wasn't just some six seed at 9-7 and seven that was you know, playing the Cinderella role. They Mm -hmm. were a one seed though, and they did dominate the league. So it's kind of fun. You had like the best of both worlds. You got to be the powerhouse of the league and at the same time, play the underdog role. And they both were justified. So that was kind of a unique and fun uh, part of the season as well. You can look at that to see that this isn't the NBA. This isn't a one man league that the team won that Super Bowl. It, It wasn't just Nick Foles. It wasn't just Doug Peterson. 
every single player played an unbelievable role in that entire season. And guys were willing to play for one another. They were willing to overcome adversity. When they did hit the hiccups, they didn't just shut down shop and say, okay, maybe we get the two seed and go from there. No, they they wanted the one seed. They got home field advantage throughout the playoffs. They battled through that Atlanta game, making one of the most nerve-wracking fourth down, fourth and goal stands ever, mm-hmm. having four plays from the one and not scoring. Jalen Mills playing his absolute rear end off in that yeah. game. The next game against Minnesota, we blow them out of the water. Your expectations for the Super Bowl are what's going to happen? Are we going to have a hard-fought battle or are we going to have a shootout? And they won games in so many different styles, Lou. They won the close games because of defense. They won games because of special teams. They won games because the offense went out there and out teams. That's what football is. You need 53 guys and the coaches for 60 minutes and every second, Monday through Saturday, to be on their game, that was the game. The Eagles were the game that year. Everybody was looking up to them. They were the mountaintop. We need to get there, man, because once you get to the mountaintop, you can't just settle there. you got to keep climbing and see if you can reach some higher peaks. I can't wait to get back there, man. I, I still waking up the next day. I stayed on a hotel in a hotel actually downtown in Center City, and I woke up and it was quiet. Every you know the construction workers are working on the light poles and they're just trying to rebuild the city up after after that celebration at night. I mean the entire city was down there, and you just see the smiles on everybody's faces and everybody was wearing green. And they're like, I just walked by a stranger going to get my car that was parked in a ramp by City Hall. And this dude just walks by. He's like, we did it, man. I'm like, we did it. <laughs> like, it's just so, it's so cool. Cause it's just like so unique. Like you don't see that happen every day, but everybody was feeling the same way. And it really just talks about how you can really dig deep into this and how sports can unify. Right. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that day really showed that that an entire city was unified and especially in a time right now that you can learn something from that for sure. We can absolutely learn something from that. That's why I love that 2017 Eagles team. I have all the championship Everything, I mean, from wherever, Fanatic Sports Center, I got everything right after that game ended on the bus home from Philly to to Buffalo. I was Same, ordering I spent like 20 bucks on the newspaper, could. man. I'm like, I have to get this newspaper. Yeah, I have it right here. And I actually, yep. I bought the one in Buffalo because I didn't get it when I was in Philly. They didn't print it before I got to left and mm-hmm. got to leave. So I got it, and it was Nick Foles on the cover. And just as I was moving to Denver a few weeks ago, I opened it, and I didn't realize they had like, Five to six pages of just like entire newspaper length of yep. the diving play from Corey Clement and the diving play from Elshon. And it just brought me back. Like having that paper in my hand and remembering that day after, it, it was surreal. I, I don't know what the Eagles did to deserve to win that game or to get to that spot, but they've been the only team in the NFC to win a Super Bowl in the last couple of years. Lou, That's a good it's point, looking man. like they might still be the last team to do it if Kansas City can beat Tampa this week. That's a good point. And go Chiefs for that reason. Let's let's stay on the top of the NFC and uh, hopefully we can actually get back there too. Hopefully in 2021, but at least in the foreseeable future. But that's going to do it for today's edition of Locked On Eagles. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I hope you guys enjoy listening to it as much as we had recording it, reminiscing about 2017 and that Super Bowl run. I mean, I could do it for hours and hours. And, you know, to see Eagles Twitter today, actually, with a positive vibe, was a a nice change of pace. We'll continue tomorrow to get back into the current state of the Eagles, and we'll analyze it. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast on any platform, five episodes a week, downloaded into your phone. And we're always talking 
Talking Birds on Twitter after the show as well. Hit us up on Twitter at Lockdown Birds, at DiBiase, L-O-E, at JC24 underscore football. For Gino Camilleri, I'm Lou DiBiase signing off. This has been Lockdown Eagles. As always, thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. And let's go, Birds. Fly, Eagles, fly. This portion of Lockdown Eagles has been brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a set of 10 uniquely beautiful diamond rings. And they're available right now exclusively at BlueNile.com.